Hey, welcome to Hot Takes. I'm your host, James Scott, here to analyze anything and everything interesting. Let's dig into today's topics. So James has thrown around some real, real hype towards the Angels right now. And I'm, I'm not going to be the one to rat him out, but I kind of heard the words unbeatable before but then he took it back and then he uh, i don't know james i don't know i mean I, I, I there's reasons that i said like unbeatable but like i haven't seen the angels have an offense like this in a very very if ever honestly you know what i'll say that i don't think the angels have ever had an offense this good in the history of their franchise that's big you know and i was examining them and i was really just looking into each of their guys across their lineup. Got the chance to see them a couple of times in spring training, once against the Cy Young Award. I think we talked about this against Shane Bieber. He ended up uh, allowing like nine runs against them in the second inning, um, in like one inning. So this is an offense that can clearly hit people. Um, and Otani hit a, a monster shot that day. But I went again to the ball game the other day against uh, – uh, you know, a team that we're going to talk about later, a division winner. And so against a, another division winning team, another top team, um, they put up 12 runs in two innings. They put up 10 runs in the second inning. Um, this is a team that like can just absolutely put runs on the board one after another, after another, they have that type of offense. Um, so I was comparing it one through nine with a lot of other teams and the Yankees are obviously better. <clears throat> Yankees are better than, uh, most teams offensively. If almost, I mean, and it might be better than any team offensively, um, this coming year, but, um, you know, that's my team. So, you know, maybe there's some level of bias there, but they're definitely a top three. There's no mm-hmm. doubt. Okay. Another of the two teams we're going to be talking about later is also, you know, one of the top three for, for offense. So the third one I was debating between the angels and I was debating between the Dodgers because, you know, Dodgers have one of the best offenses in baseball. You know, you got Bellinger, you got Betts, you got Pollock, you got Justin Turner, you got Corey Seager. You know, I don't really like Muncie that much, but they do have Taylor. Um, and I think that Will Smith's going to have a, a rough second half. He's probably going to... The actor slash rapper or the baseball player? But, well, there's multiple <laughs> baseball players by the name of Will Smith. Getting oh, jiggy with confusing. it. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> there's, there's multiple. Um, uh, there's the pitcher, Will Smith, the relief pitcher. And he's really good. Um, although he's a little older now, but I, he's been really good for a bit. Um, and then there's the catcher, Will Smith, um, who's, you know, an LA Dodger and, uh, he's been amazing, but I think he comes way back down to earth. I think the best hitters in the Dodgers lineup this coming year, is Bellinger, Betts, Turner, Seager, uh, Pollock Taylor. Those are their big six. Um, but then behind that, they have Muncie who I don't like. They have a pitcher batting which that's never good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then they have uh, uh, Will Smith, who I think is going to come back down to earth. Now, how far is he going to come back down to earth? Still think he's going to be 20% above league average. Mm. So that's really good for a catcher. Um, but he's not the greatest defensive catcher, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about offense here. So he's, a, he's a, he'll be a good guy, you know, 20% above league average. That's good. That's good. Um, but when you pay attention to offense, you also have to look into approach. You know, is, is this guy producing, you know, elite content that it doesn't matter what kind of approach that they're putting up? Or is this guy putting up the levels of production because he's working the count to get to more pitches to hit? like better pitches to hit. He's tiring out the pitcher within the at bat that he's, you know, pitcher's trying to get him out, working the count to get to a mistake pitch. Or, you know, maybe he walks because he doesn't get any pitches to hit. Um, that's very much the approach of Muncie and has become more so in the last year. It's very much the approach of Will Smith. And then you have the pitcher batting who's not going to have anything, approach or not. You know, it's not, you're not going to get anything there. So that's three spots out of your lineup. That's one third. Um, and then I was thinking about, okay, the Angels lineup, okay? Well, Trout hits everyone, and his level of offense is so high that it's, you know, it's not like 20% above league average. It's 60-plus. Um, Upton, he usually is about 25-ish percent above league average in a healthy year. But it's worth mentioning that he's a hot and cold player. And when he's going through hot stretches, which it takes him a bit of the season to get into, that's why he didn't do it last year. He was injured the year before. It's like everyone's kind of sleeping on him. But once he gets his swing going, once he gets, uh, you know, guys who have high swing, swing speeds at point of impact, uh, David Marshall studies, uh, in the second halves of the season, those guys typically, um, you know, that's when they hit for power. That's when, they start squaring up balls more because they're swinging so hard. It takes a bit of time to get the path to be as, as refined as it needs to be for them to just crush it. So that's why you see sometimes hot and cold guys. Uh, they're usually V swing types, meaning they're attacking a spot rather than attacking um, like a, a, a pitch trajectory or pitch tunneling as, as they would call it. Um, and that's the difference between, you know, O swing and, and V swing. But if, if you're really good, at, you know, pitch selection and, and that kind of thing. The swing can work a lot better for you for hitting for power. But again, it takes you to like the second half when you're swinging that hard to be able to really get into, into things. Sometimes it's not the second half. Maybe it takes you 60, 70, 80 games. The first half is hundred games long. So, you know, maybe you start in June, you know, when the weather heats up or something and you're really feeling it or something. Um, but Upton's that kind of guy where, in over a full season, he's like 25% above league average. But in, 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 when he's hot for those stretches, he likes the world on fire. He's like, you know, 45% above league average-ish plus. And um, we're also talking about a guy who's been in the big league since he was like 19 years old. So he knows pitching. And we're also talking about a guy who's got in-play power and out-of-play power and who's a very underrated base runner, if you don't believe me, in his healthy years. Go check what his BSRs are. He puts up well above average to, to average ones. He's never a guy who's a bad base runner. He's actually plus there, which is interesting because nobody looks at him that way. And I think that's probably because he's a, such a bad defender that it doesn't link up. It's like, oh, how can you be a good base runner if you're such a bad defender? Um, 
but you know, honestly, Upton started to look a, a little bit better defensively, at least when I was watching him in spring. Um, and then for the rest of the team, they have two guys who are going to bat above 300 up the middle, Iglesias Fletcher. They have Rendon, who's the second best hitter on the team, to Trout. They have Walsh, who's going to hit righties at minimum for the whole year. And then next year, pitchers will adapt to him. He might hit righties and lefties, but he'll definitely hit righties as a lefty. Um, and he's also one of those guys who, once he's able to make contact, then he's able to sell out on that contact for power and become uh, a bit of a better hitter. Last year, he had the contact. So I think this year, he's probably going to have the power. And against his weak side, which is against lefties, you can put Pujols in. So it's a perfect platoon. You have Otani, who's like batting 600 in spring training, crushing balls farther than any that I've ever seen hit in person. Okay? Throwing 102 miles an hour off the mound, by the way, um, as a lefty. Uh, then you got Kurt Suzuki, who anytime he has like serious lineup protection where he can be deep down in the order, he ends up being like 15 20% above league average. But at worst, he's about 5% above league average. That's probably what we can expect from him. Um, and then they have Dexter Fowler filling in in right field for the rookies, and he's going to be batting ninth. It's very easy to see Dexter Fowler to turn it back, turn back the clock a couple of years, you know, dead cat bounce it, as they say. Yeah, dead cat bounce. I don't know if you've heard that term. It means an older player when they have one last good year, kind of out of the blue, out of effort, and then they just can't do anything. Mm. Dead cat bouncing. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I think that that's very possible that you'll see that out of Dexter Fowler. Um, I think he's still got his speed. I still, I think he's still got his athleticism, but he's needed to be able to show that he could hit for power last year. He hit for power against righties, but he couldn't do it against lefties. He is a switch hitter. Maybe over the course of a full season, we'll see it even out a little bit more. Um, and it makes a lot more sense getting him out of St. Louis where he was berated with racial attacks at least by his own admission, the whole time he was there. Um, you get him out of an environment like that. You change him back to the American League. You mm -hmm. let him bat ninth so there's no expectations on him. And you give him a team where he has an actual opportunity to contend. He's going to have a rebound year. You know? and, and that's across the roster, guys, who are all going to have good years including and, and mainly weighted by Trout, Otani, and Rendon. That is better than the Dodgers lineup with Muncy, mistake hitter, not going to have a good year, with uh, Will Smith, going to have a down year, but still 20% above league average, but a mistake hitter, a little too patient. Um, and then you have a pitcher batting, whereas for the Angels, the bottom half, is Jared Walsh, who's going to hit righties at least 30% above league average, um, you know, at least until the league adapts after the season. Um, righties the majority of pitchers. Kurt Suzuki, who is going to be at worst 5% above league average, at best maybe 25% above league average, both are likely. And then Dexter Fowler, who if he's turning back the clock, he'll be 20% above league average. That's what they got in the bottom three for the Angels. And if you're comparing the top, Trout is better than, than, than Betts. That's just, that's, that's no comparison. At the plate, Rendon and Bellinger, they basically match up, willing to bet that Otani's going to hit similar to a less powerful Justin Turner, 
maybe better actually because Otani's power is really extraordinary and he's a heck of a base runner. Um, and then it's just, you know, the advantage of Corey Seager, right? And it is an advantage, okay, over someone like Justin Upton. Um, and I, I won't even deny that's a pretty big advantage in my opinion. I think he's a much better hitter. And that's, that's not even saying nothing of Upton. Upton's a great hitter. I just think that Corey Seager is one of the best hitters in the major leagues. Um, that being said, I mean, that is completely outbalanced by the bottom half of the lineup. Um, Walsh is going to be able to hit guys, whether they're righties, whether they're, well, well, probably guys who are more righties, but he's going to be able to hit for power. He's going to be able to hit like a middle of the lineup guy, like 30% above league average. That's your seven hole hitter. You know, even if you switch things up and make Dexter Fowler your eight hole hitter, I don't, I don't want to do that. I like his speed and his switch hitting ability, turning over your lineup. That's a 20% above league average guy. And yes, you know, you might say that, you know, oh, but, you know, Dexter Fowler, he has a patient approach. Well, he kind of has to. He's a switch hitter. You have to have a consistent approach from both sides if you're going to be a switch hitter. And then on top of that, he's also a really fast player. So him having a patient approach, it works a lot better because then he can do more damage by being on base more. Whereas a guy like Will Smith is not going to do anything on the bases. Max Muncy, he puts up good BSRs, but that's because he's good at going first to third. He's Which Will at- Smith? <laughs> Getting bigger. <laughs> no, 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 you know, all that, right? Um, but like, you know, Muncy's a good base runner, but he's a good base runner in that he's, he has to tag up uh, first to third it. Like Fowler can steal bases. Fowler, he, he can be multiple types of a good base runner. Um, so I came away just like thinking like one through nine, you know, once you're adding it all together, I, I like them better than the Dodgers. I just, I can't get behind a lineup where three people in it aren't giving me the kind of production that I like, you know, if it's, if it's one person, then we can manage things, you know, two people. I don't really like that three people out of a nine man lineup. That's a third of the lineup. Um, and, I'm, and it's not really speaking necessarily bad on Will Smith speaking bad on, on Max Muncy. It's just saying that Walsh is going to have a really big year. That was going to have a really big year. So, before we make this an exclusively Angels-based, uh, you know, podcast. You I know. know. I'm like, wait, what yeah. were we talking about? <laughs> yeah. Like, I just, I, I just have to say, like, they are, in my opinion, the third best offense in baseball. Dodgers right behind them, like half step. But that's only because of, like, you know, the, the, Seager is really good, okay? Seager's really good. And I'm not trying to take anything away from the Dodgers lineup. Like the Dodgers have a much better pitching situation than the angels could dream of. The Dodgers are an immensely better team than the, than the angels. Um, It's just, just exclusively looking at one side of the game offense. They're they're a half step above you. So don't feel too bad. Dodgers fans. Um, And feel great. The best defense is a good offense. Yeah, I mean, well, in some ways, if in you're not, uh, if, unless you're the Mets, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, like uh, or or unless you're the Reds, you know, both of those teams, great offenses, 
but I don't have any idea what the Reds are doing on defense at all. The Mets, it's not that I don't have any idea what they're doing. I do. It's just a bad idea. <laughs> so, um, like, you know, it can, it can be pulled off within some stretch of the imagination what the Mets are doing, but it's uh, – I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't attempt it, you know? Like, how are you going to stick the landing with that? Like, you're either going to stick the landing or you're going to ruin the season. So, um, like, waste a whole bunch of really good years. Because um, they do have a bunch of talent. So, mm-hmm. anyway, let's get into things. Uh, this is another one of our di- di- divisional mm-hmm. breakdowns, you know, where we, we take a team in one league and a team in the other league that we think are going to finish third in their division in mm-hmm. each league. And we, we try and break it down for you. We try and end it on a good note is why sometimes we do one league last it's not like you know we're, we're sticking specifically mm-hmm. to only doing the same league last we want to make it so we end on a high note we talk about a team that maybe i'm not so critical about second um and sometimes both teams i love and sometimes both teams i don't love so you'll have to make your way through the previous ones that we've done but today's we are talking about division winners and funny enough just like kind of, you know, will be a, an interesting theme here. If you, you know, are, are going to watch more of our, our content, uh, you know, we appreciate it. Um, we're going to be talking about the division winner of the National League Central. And this one is a tough one because the front two, three teams, four, if you're listening to fan graphs or some of these services that are, um, estimating win totals and playoff probabilities and et cetera, et cetera. Um, those, those projections that they have out there typically favor the Brewers to win the entire division. Uh, if you check my previous, our previous, you know, videos, you'll see where the Brewers end up in our opinion. Um, but I, 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 I you can do say yours. Do I'm, my, in, okay. I'm just the producer. I'm just hey. the producer here, man. Uh, hey, all right, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but yeah, in, in my opinion, where the Brewers land, um, you know, the big teams in, in that division seem to be the big three. You know, we talked about the Reds not having any sort of defense. They just have offense. You know, it, it, it's powerful. You know, um, and it, that's kind of the, the 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 name of the game for the Reds is that it's power. Their pitching staff throws really hard, but you know if you if that's all you can do, hit the ball hard and throw hard, can't play defense, can't run the bases very well. You know, um, you have guys who throw hard, but they haven't really figured out what to do with what they have. You know, you have a couple of older guys, Doolittle, Sonny Gray. Um, they're not necessarily older, older, although Doolittle is, uh, although relievers like him can have very extended careers but it's mostly young guys who don't really know what they're doing and trying to kind of grow into themselves. And the Cardinals are are very much a down the stretch team because everybody will be heated up at that point. And, um, you know, they should be winning close games and important games with the kind of team that they have. But this team, I, you know, we're leaving a 60 game season. We're entering a full season it's going to be very difficult for teams that don't have depth to make it by. And you're going to need a pitching staff that 
to a certain degree, induces weak contact because that gets you through innings, okay? And you're going to need to be able to get through innings fairly quickly and save your bullpen going from a 60-game season to a full season. So not only are you going to then need your pitchers to be weak contact pitchers, but you're going to need a defense that can back that up. And this is one of the biggest reasons that I have the Chicago Cubs winning the National League Central. Um, they have a very decent bullpen. It's not great, but it's a bunch of guys who induce weak contact. And as the season goes on, it should get better. They have Dan Winkler, they have Brandon Workman, both above average relievers historically. They have Rowan Wick, who's pretty good as well. They have um, Craig Kimbrell in the ninth inning. He's, you know, obviously a, a very good reliever um they have holder who they got from the yankees yankees kind of released him didn't really fit with our roster he's he's an interesting arm not bad maybe 3.8 era something like that um and they also got andrew chafin who has i've always thought that he had just the funniest last last name like chafin dude like the thing that happens to your calves if like you're sweating too much at a ball game you know i guess hilarious he's just chafin yeah yeah He's actually a pretty good reliever at that. So, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm underrating their bullpen a little bit, but um, it's not necessarily that they have any guys that are just locked down, can get ev- anyone out, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But they have a deep group of guys who are above average. Um, and it kind of mirrors what they're kind of doing with their starting rotation. They brought back Jake Arrieta. He's, he's a fine three, four starter, you know, will induce weak contact when he can. Um, they got Braylon Marquez, who's going to come up from the minors at some point in time. He throws a hundred miles an hour and is a left-hander. Nobody does that. Um, that being said, I don't expect him to be a number one when he first comes up. He'll probably be closer to a three. If they wait until the second half, however, he could pitch like a number one when he comes up because a lot of players bat speed, like, the guys who don't have that plus-plus bat speed, they'll start to get tired at that point in the season. And there'll be that separation between them and the people who do have the elite bat speed, which is part of the reason why they end up doing even better. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people who have great bat speed do well in the second half. Um, but also the other thing is you can beat great bat speed with certain types of velocity. So again it's it's certain types of velocity and it's certain types of the way the, the hitters approaches are um but point being is that they use braylon marquez strategically he can really help out their rotation this year um as at, at least as a three um i have a friend who's a pitching expert he thinks that uh Ad- adbert is how you say his name al zole yeah he, he's a very interesting name he loves this guy he thinks that this guy's uh, better than a number two. I don't know if I'd go there, but sure. If he likes this guy so much, he's at minimum a three. Um, and again, you're talking about guys who n- none of these guys are strikeout arms. Marquez is not a strikeout arm. Azale is not a strikeout arm. Arietta is not a strikeout arm. All these guys are, are, are weak contact guys. And that doesn't even work around to the best weak contact guys on the team. I haven't even named them as far as the starting pitchers. It's Kyle Hendricks. Zach Davies. So they have a bunch of arms 
who can go innings and just regularly induce weak contact. They even have Kyle Hendricks, so they do have an ace. Okay. Um, and then if you're looking at the Cubs, they have a great defense. Contreras is a good catcher. They have Baez, who by OAA and also by the eye test is one of the best shortstops defensively in Major League Baseball. They have Rizzo, who's one of the best defensive first baseman. They have Bryant, who's a plus third baseman. I don't know if I'd say he's one of the best because there's some really great third baseman out there, but he's definitely comfortably above average for the position. They have David Bodie if Horner, for whatever reason, stops hitting. But Horner, Nico Horner, one of their top prospects, they called him, they called him up like a year ago or two years ago. Um, this guy's been mashing in spring training. And it looks like he's, he's ready for the big leagues now. So they got their second baseman. David Bodie made this unbelievable play over there the other day. So there is a chance that he ends up making the actual roster as a super utility, kind of like he has in years past. Um, so that works too. But then you get around to the outfield. They got Schwarber out of the situation because, you know, Schwarber, he needs to either commit to being a plus defensive right or left fielder who is learning how to hit but like we'll learn it slowly over a long time or just commit to hitting and be okay with the fact that you're not the greatest defensive uh, player. Uh, Schwarber hasn't really be able, been able to pick between the two because he was kind of, um, should I say, rushed to the big leagues. Uh, the Nationals are taking a chance on him on a one-year deal, though. However, moving Schwarber out of the situation allowed them to put Ian Happ at first or, or at, at, left, uh, at left field rather than keeping him in center, um, which, you know, Ian Happ in left field is one of the best defensive left fielders in all of baseball. And then they have Hayward in right field, and they brought in Jock Peterson to platoon with Jake Marisnik for center field. Now, that specific choice was a really interesting one, but before I break that down, I'm going to name really quick where they have good defenders. Since I just did a, you know, position to position, catcher first, second, short, third, left, right, and then they have what we think is an average defender in center field, platooning with an elite defender. But here's where it gets interesting. Peterson was the main guy that they felt that they had to bring in this offseason because they, like many people, thought that the Dodgers completely underutilized Jock Peterson. They platooned him when, in theory, Jock should have been able to hit lefties too. They just never used him against lefties, so his numbers were terrible when he did face them. They had him station himself at portions in the outfield, at areas in the outfield, that he didn't feel comfortable stationing himself at just because the metrics, you know, say to do this. Usually the, if the player knows best. Usually the player knows best. Um, and also they taught him, like, that he should be pulling the ball a lot, that like, you know, working the count to doing these things is the way to go. And now Jock Peterson's hitting righties. Jock Peterson's hitting lefties. He's making center field plays in the outfield. He's bunting against the shift to get the shift to go away on him. Um, scouts are saying that he looks like a, like a completely different player, like a completely, completely different player. Um, so now that's what you have. You have the defense you need to support the pitching. Now let's talk about offense. From the left side, they have Hayward, they have Hap, they have Peterson, they have Rizzo. 
So they have four good bats from the left side, okay? In the National League, that kind of constitutes half your lineup, okay? From the right side, they have Contreras. They have Chris Bryant. They have Javier Baez. And um, they have Horner, Nico Horner. I believe he's a righty. Yeah, he's a righty. So they have four righties and they have four lefties, okay? And, you know, that's cool. It's a great balance of righty-lefty. You can go righty-lefty all game. So any sort of the platoon advantages that you have with any individual player will show up on an individual game basis against that handedness. So that'll give them advantages on the game-to-game -game basis. Um, but it's also worth mentioning that in a, a league where the shift still exists, right? You don't want there to be quite too many lefties, okay? So if there happens to be a day where you don't want to put as many lefties in the lineup, you don't want to go four and four, you want to go five and three, well, Ian Happ is a switch hitter, so you can turn him around and have him back from the right side. So they have the lineup now, and then as far as base running goes, Hayward's a plus-plus base runner. Hap is a plus-plus base runner. Bryant and Baez are also plus-plus base runners. And the rest of the team is not going to be, you know, killing you on the bases. So this is a team that has literally the perfect mix to be able to make it by for a full season and consistently be winning enough games from the beginning to the end of the year that I think they're going to win this division in a division as weak as, as, as the national league central. I think that this is a very clear cut best team because the Cardinals don't have a one through nine lineup or a one through eight lineup. It's a very shallow lineup. And when a lot of their guys do end up hitting, it'll be by the last 60 games of the season, the reds, they have a whole bunch of hitters, but they have absolutely terrible base running and terrible defense. It's going to kill you in a year like this. They also don't have the deepest rotation, which is also going to really hurt you in a year like this. And a lot of their pitchers are more of the strikeout type, especially in recent years. Sonny Gray and Castillo have become more of the strikeout type in recent years. So um, that's not really going to help when you need more weak contact guys. I think that this is a very good blend of players for winning the division this year. I cannot say it's going to go ridiculously far into the playoffs, but this is, this is a team team where what the pitching does is going to be supported by the defense of the position player group. And outside of Kyle Hendricks, none of the pitchers can do it really without the support of their bullpen and their defense. So that's why I say it's a team team. Everybody leans on everyone. But if you're a Cubs fan and you want to be specifically excited about this team, understand that the reason that your team is going to win the division rests on a handful of players. Not really like a handful, but it rests on Contreras, Baez, Bryant, Hap, Hayward, uh, Peterson, and then lastly, if Rizzo has a good year. So it really rests on, on, on these seven guys. Those seven guys, and I guess Kyle Hendricks, if you're going to bring in a pitcher, are solely going to be responsible for the reason that the Cubs win the division. So anytime you're watching a Cubs game, 
you know who to watch, you know, you know, which guys to watch out for and they'll lead you to a divisional championship. So it's fun to watch when it's like that, you know, it'll, well, I mean, I, I, I know that it'll take them to a a division championship. Um, But I almost think that it's fun. It's a lot more fun to watch in person when you know that there's a select few people that are, are the ones that you need to have eyes on. So it's easier to have eyes on them. Right. But to have that going for you when you're watching games and also knowing that they're going to bring you to a division championship, you don't usually have that certainty along with, you know, the so few players getting you the wins because usually so few players can't get you the division championship. In this case, division is weak enough and the team is balanced enough where that's kind of the case. So I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, Cubs winning their division. Good for you. Um, I wish I could get more excited. I don't think you're going to go very far in the playoffs, but enjoy your year. And uh, it also might be the last year for a lot of the players on the team that won the championship, you know, back in 2016. So enjoy Baez while you have him. Enjoy Rizzo while you have him. Enjoy Contreras while you have him. Uh, enjoy Bryant while you have him. Um, they might even, you know, try and sell off Hayward to lose, you know, payroll, which might end up, you know, having them having to trade Hap. So um, don't expect him to be there too long. I mean, even Jock Peterson, to be fair, don't expect Jock Peterson to be there too long. This is a team that's going to have to go through a lot of turnover over the next couple of years. Um, so enjoy the team while it's still getting victories and winning its division. I think that um, it's probably the best way to look at it. Look at it if you're a Cubs fan, that this is going to be, you know, until the new front office builds up another winner, this is probably going to be the most competitive team that you see for a couple of years. So uh, maybe more than a couple of years, to be fair. But enjoy this team. You know, enjoy your guys. They got you that championship that you waited 100 years for. So enjoy them while you got them. Um, that takes us to the American League. Now, the reason why I wanted to leave this team for last is, you know, as a Yankee fan, I don't want to admit this, but it's becoming more and more clear that the White Sox stand the best chance of getting to the World Series in the American League. They may stand the best chance of winning the World Series. Blasphemy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have them winning their division. I have them coming ahead of the twins. If I had to put a number on the number of wins that I think they're going to get right around a hundred, maybe 99, maybe 98, something in there. Um, I'm obsessed with Yon Mankata, the third baseman. I think he's going to have a monstrous year. Tim Anderson gets better by a lot every year that he plays baseball. Um, I think he's going to get better again, uh, especially over a full season. Like my goodness, you know what he could have done with a second half. I think a lot of those uh, batting average on balls in play, that kind of success will translate into out of power or out of play power. Rather. Um, I think that um, Jose Abreu is going to be the same guy. He might even be better. He won the AL MVP last year. Um, Madrigal coming up with with a healthy shoulder now 
uh, at second base. He's, he's a uh, David Fletcher type, um, a.k.a. guy's going to hit for a lot of average. He'll get on base. He'll make good plays. But he's not exactly going to hit for too much power. But that's okay. It's not his game. His game is to get on base and hit for contact, hit doubles, get on base for the middle of the order, and score runs. He knows that he's even said it. Uh, they have switch hitting power, hitting catcher, Yasmani Grandal. Don't really like him for the playoffs. Love him for the regular season. High on base percentage. Going to hit you about 20 home runs a year. And like I said, switch hitter. Balances out the lineup. And he's also a veteran, which helps out, you know, kind of calm the nerves of some of the young players sometimes. Um, they brought in um, Adam Eaton, who had a gold glove level level year for him, for 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 them, for the White Sox a few years ago in right field. Now he's going to be playing right field for them again. I think it's a really smart move, A, because he had success to that level in the past there, but also he's coming off in 2019 winning a World Series championship for the Nationals. Talk about veteran leadership. That's perfect. Um, they got Luis Robert, who was you know, basically Mike Trout until the last month of the season last year. I think we'll see much more of you know, primetime Robert um, this coming year. They have Eloy Jimenez, who, you know, he's 30% above league average type, 30 home run type. He's their left fielder, and they can kind of hide him there now because Eaton can cover so much ground, and now he can shift Robert over, which completely hides Jimenez. Um, and then you have uh, Andrew Vaughn, who's a power-hitting first-base prospect. Um, a lot of people are saying he's going to be up this season. Don't know when this season, um, but depending on when this season he's up, I mean, this is a guy who, in what playing time he gets, can put up what would be over a full year. I think this year, what would be like 26 homers, 25 home runs. So they have him as well, and that's their one through nine. That's their entire lineup. So it's, it's nothing but nasty players, nothing but really dynamic players. Um, guys who are really good base runners, guys who are really good hitters, guys who are aggressive hitters. So they have the kind of approaches that are generally impossible to get out. They have a good balance of righties and lefties. Mankata is a switch hitter. Grant Dahl is a switch hitter. Anderson is a righty. Uh, Madrigal is a righty. Abreu is a righty. Uh, Jimenez is a righty. Uh, um, Robert is a righty, but Eaton is a lefty. Um, so, you know, with the switch hitters, you can bat them from the left side. So now you have three lefties in the lineup, which divides up the righties a little bit better. Um, like I said, you don't want to be having too many lefties in your lineup. Um, their pitching staff starts off with Giolito, who pitched a, a perfect game, I believe, last year. He's one of the better pitchers in the American League. Uh, innings eater, great pitcher. Um, they have Dallas Keuchel, one of the best big game pitchers in the league. Also, one of the best pitchers in the league. He always puts up low ERAs, like every year. Um, they got Lance Lynn, who, with the exception of like one season, puts up ridiculously low ERAs every single year and pitches a ton of innings. The reason why his ERAs almost never match his FIP and his ex-FIP is because he's one of the rare pitchers who's basically a fastball pitcher. And because he throws his fastball with as much movement as he does and cuts it and throws it hard, uh, batters, they know what's coming and there's not really much they can do. So it, it allows him to throw lots of innings, obviously. And it also allows his ERA to play higher than his surrounding statistics 
because he's inducing weaker contact. If pitcher, if guy knows what's coming and they're going to swing at it and they're still not successful, you know, he's not exactly striking out the world. Okay. So all of this is, it's coming in there. It's getting weekly hit and he's getting through innings. So um, that works really well as a playoff pitcher. Um, and then behind those three guys, they have Michael Kopech, who's going to start the year in the bullpen. And I think that they're going to put Garrett Crochet in the rotation to start the year. And they're going to piggyback them in a really interesting way. Now, Crochet, he throws 102 miles an hour all day from the left side, which is unheard of. Okay. Like I think I've, I've talked about like three people who throw 100 from the left side today just because I've been thinking about how few guys can do it. So like, don't, don't be like, Oh, but you just named a bunch. Like, no, like it's like Otani Marquez and, and like, you know, this guy, you know what I mean? Um, no one does it. Okay. Especially if you're in the rotation, which is why Marquez and Otani kind of stand out, but crochet is going to start the year in the rotation. And then he's going to switch off with Kopech and move to the bullpen when he hits his innings limit. And then Kopech is going to be stretched out more and more innings in the bullpen as he recovers from Tommy John, and then eventually be put in the rotation for the end of the year. So they're going to be used in conjunction, I think, in one spot. One's a lefty, one's a righty. Crochet throws like 102 from the left side, and Kopech from the right side throws like 104. So that's beyond exciting. Um, and that's their four starter, basically. They're five starter. They're having a bunch of different guys kind of compete for it. I believe Lopez was sent back to minor league camp. And I think they're going to try and assign Rodon to the pen, which makes me think that I guess Cease got the job, Dylan Cease. Um, but they have enough guys where my next point is, is going to hit harder. Um, my next point is this. They also have one of the top five bullpens in all of the major leagues as is like it, it, it's 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 nasty it's got aaron bummer who strikes out the world okay like he, like they looked at his analytics for his individual pitches right and they found out that aaron bummer's movement on like you know uh his uh, i think it's his sinker is the same as zach Britton's, and like it, it totally lines up because if you're looking at aaron bummer's ground ball rate it's like 67 percent and that's like basically what Zach Britton averages. So that's great to have a pitcher who can induce that kind of uh, ground ball weak contact. But then you look at the other side of Aaron Bummer and he's striking out the world. Like he's literally striking out like 12, pit, 12 batters per nine innings. Um, so elite arm there in the bullpen. When Crochet eventually moves to the bullpen from the rotation, he's going to end up being an elite arm. Uh, in the playoffs, you don't have a number five starter. So Cease and Lopez and Rodon are going to be both all moving there. They have Matt Foster, who's a pretty decent uh, uh, relief arm. They're going to see more about what he's about this year. Like they're going to give him more playing time to see what he has. Same thing with Jace Fry. They both could be interesting. Same with Cody Howard. He had a really good last year. But they also brought in Liam Hendricks, who's one of the five best relievers in the sport to give them shape. He's their closer now. Um, and also given the health of, you know, Keuchel, Lance, Lynn, Giolito, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Michael Kopech, another, you know, 100 mile an hour thrower, mentioned him earlier, would move to the bullpen in the playoffs as well. It's, it's, it's entirely possible for such a healthy rotation to go a three-man rotation 
in the playoffs. They also have Evan Marshall, who's been getting better now, three years running. Um, it, it's a nasty bullpen as is. And the moment you throw in all of those, you know, ex-starting pitchers, say, hey, just throw as hard as you can for an inning, it, it, it's going to become unhittable. So their pitching staff is about as nasty as it gets. And it's my kind of nasty where it's not like, oh, we have five aces. Well, that's cool, but how good does that help you in the playoffs? You see what I'm trying to say? You know, how many of those aces can you move to the bullpen and they'll be, you know, really great? Some you can, but some you wouldn't want to. I've been talking about the Padres. We can talk about that on a different day where, like, they've made themselves, like, the best rotation for a regular season. But it kind of trips things up in the playoffs because who do you move to the bullpen? So moving on, um, like I said, at catcher, they have Grandal, uh, but they also have this guy named Yerman Mercedes. Okay. Now, do I expect Yerman Mercedes to make the roster? You know, I wouldn't normally, but when you look at who they've brought in, okay, they have Zach Collins, who's, I don't like Zach Collins in any way whatsoever. He's not that great. Um, they brought in Grandal, who's their regular catcher, but they need a backup. So it's Collins versus Mercedes, I guess. And, you know, if, if that's the case, given the fact that at the beginning of the season, Andrew Vaughn, top prospect, they named him, he's not going to be in the show until about mid-year. They're going to delay his service time, get him more time in double-A, triple-A. They said his bat's near ready, so he should move quickly, but you want to be, be careful there. That being said, you don't want to just give, you know, anyone at bats at DH. Yerman Mercedes. They should give at-bats at DH. He does not look like he could catch. He does not look like he could play any position. He looks like he can mash. The numbers in the minors show that he can mash. I take a chance on him in a lineup this deep. So that's another thing that's worth noting is that even if someone gets injured and they have to shift some things around, they can just bring up Yerman Mercedes to basically be like a DH or be a first baseman. But you know they already have you know Vaughn Abreu for first. So I'd rather keep him at DH. Um, uh, like I said, Tim Anderson, shortstop, Abreu, MVP winner at first base, Madrigal at second, Mancata at uh, third. They got Danny Mendick, who's coming up from the minors this year. He's kind of like a super utility type. He's kind of eager to prove himself. Like he's, he's one of those college bats who very polished. And the first year, they, they always are like, you know, basically, let me show you what I can do. And then the league brings them back down to earth. But I think he's going to play even some backup shortstop and then some outfield second base. He's going to move around. Um, and then in, in the outfield, I knew I was missing someone, um, Adam Engel. That is a guy who, if things somehow don't work out with regards to Vaughn coming up this year, if he struggles in the minor leagues, okay, and for whatever reason, you know, Yerman Mercedes is not getting it done as your, as your DH. You move Eloy Jimenez to DH, and you simply put Adam Engel in right field. Engel is an elite center fielder, an elite outfielder. Adam Eaton is an elite outfielder, and Robert is an elite outfielder. You would have, like, the best defensive outfield in Major League Baseball. Um now, the only thing that I will say that I'm worried about if we're talking about the White Sox is if their key players get hurt, they're in trouble. They don't have 
too, too much playable depth if they lose a third baseman, if they lose a shortstop, even with Mendick around. Not sure I'd want him playing every day. That being said, this team stays healthy. They're going to be a team that could quite literally win the World Series. Um, they're just as talented as the Yankees. Uh, the things that can go wrong with the Yankees uh, are just as numerable as the things that could go wrong with the White Sox. Um, I just think that if we could be treated to like a seven-game American League championship series between those two teams, the White Sox and the Yankees, that that would be some of the funnest baseball I, I can remember possibly wanting to watch or watching or, you know, like that would be beyond exciting. Um, I, I, you know, before we move on and, 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 you know, basically call it an episode, I don't have too much more to say about the, the White Sox. All their top prospects are the guys that are up at the big leagues. So it's not like, you know, we talk about their farm system. It's not really in existence. They're, they don't really have too much of a farm system now because all the guys have just graduated and they've done a great job graduating them. Um, I'll mention this, you know, uh, they brought in Jacob Lindgren on like a non-roster invitee, you know, type thing for spring training. Lindgren used to be an elite college arm and he was thought to be big league ready a few years ago and then he got hurt. So that's another reliever that could come into the picture. And I don't want to be too biased, but uh, I didn't know this, but a, a good friend of mine, um, He's related to uh, the pitcher, Alex McCray. Um, and I didn't know he got traded to the White Sox um, or, you know, really that he was playing for the White Sox. Just found out that he was invited to spring training. So, um, you know, have a good year, please. You know, get me in the clubhouse and let me do some interviews with those guys, you know. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, even, you, you know, oh, okay, that makes sense. I'm looking at their non-roster invitees. You know what they just did? They brought in Jonathan Lucroy. That's the guy who will be their backup catcher. I was like, they can't possibly be thinking that Zach Collins or Yerman Mercedes, I love his bat, but like, how can they be thinking either of those guys is a competent backup catcher? You need a guy who can actually play defense. Lucroy will be their guy. So they do have a little bit more depth. They did invite Tim Beckham uh, to spring training. Maybe they'll use him as a super utility. I think he can still play shortstop. Um, when the Indians let Billy Hamilton go, like they, they straight up just released him, uh, the White Sox picked him up. So he's still around. I didn't know that he was there. That move literally happened last week. So that snuck up on me. Um, and then if there's anyone that they have that I think is just close to mentioning, they do have Nick Williams, you know, he once was something. So, um, yeah, I do think that the White Sox are kind of underrated. Uh, I think that there's a high chance that if, you know, health holds together for them, that they whoop my Yankees and go on to the, win the World Series against either the Dodgers or the Padres or, you know, one of, one of those teams, maybe the Braves, you know. But um, I'm kind of obsessed with this roster. I like, I, I, I genuinely love to look at the White Sox lineup and just try and figure out how it's going to piece together because, it's one thing to have power. It's one thing to have consistency. It's one thing to take walks. 
but it's a whole other thing to be able to have an aggressive approach in and around the strike zone while you're doing so. Or, you know, even if you're forfeiting walks for power and consistency, to be able to have the correlating approach to go with it. I mean, we run into big leaguers far too many times these days whose basically operating function is to just foul pitches off until you can get like a pitch to hit for a homer that is just like the pitcher giving up basically or making a mistake because they're tired. Or if that doesn't happen in the at-bat, you're just fouling pitches off until like the pitcher, you know, misses enough in quantity to walk you. Like that is most of good hitters in the league. And I think that that approach does not work versus higher caliber pitching. I do not think that that approach works for people who are going to hammer the strike zone. And, and, and so you're going to have to swing. And when you make contact with it, it's weak contact. You know, that's, that's their way of doing it. If you're going to be able to hit guys who are throwing pitches that move in the zone for, you know, fair balls, you need to have an aggressive approach that can align with, in my opinion, the pitch tunneling, more of an O swing, so that you have more of a chance to keep your bat head through the zone so you're keeping the ball fair if and when you do make contact with it. And if you're being aggressive in your, your approach and using more levers, then that gives you more ability to hit the ball. It gives you more ability to be like, oh, that pitch is on the corner. I can see it breaking to there. Let me get there with my bat. If you just have one trajectory that you're keeping to, you're going to be like, okay, is it a strike? Is it a strike? Is it a strike? A swing. You're not going to do well. You need to literally watch the ball into your bat. And you can't do that to like the level that you need to, to keep the ball fair and hard hit against weak contact pitching pitchers unless you're being aggressive and using your whole body. So you end up with guys who can't use their whole body, who they just lean on. I'm just going to hit strikes hard because I go to the gym. It's not an athlete. That's not an athlete. That's just like um, it's a gym rat. It's a gym rat. You know what I mean? Like, but if you're looking at the White Sox, that is a team of athletes, baby. That's a team of athletes. You go from the pitching side to the hitting side to the bench to the non-roster invites. Billy Hamilton, Tim Beckham, Jonathan Lucroy, they're all athletes. Um, and then, of course, they're investing heavily on the strategy that the Royals used a couple of years ago, which is to build a heavy enough bullpen that when the starter comes out of the game, you go, uh-oh, instead of thank you. So that's about all I got to say on them. I, I think that they're one of the most deadly teams in the major leagues. But just like the Yankees, they're kind of like a glass cannon. If you guys know that, that term, um, which is if, you know, a couple of the biggest guys needed on that team go down, they're not going to, they're not going to contend for a world series, but that's kind of where we're at, you know, across the big leagues, there are no teams where if a couple of their big guys go down, they'll just be okay. No singular team is like that. And that's why for once in the last few years, it's actually a lot harder to call the World Series winner before the season. So they all have the same issue, depth. That's all. That's all I got. <laughs> so it's Chris again. 
And as I mentioned before, I produced the show and the live stream. And speaking of the live stream, moving forward, we're going to try and hit two live streams a month, which is super exciting. So we have way more content coming at you. It's going to be so cool, so exciting. It's going to be really great. And before we go, I just want to make a note that this is the first episode we've ever recorded where James did not talk about the Astros for 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh, man. I didn't talk about them, did I? You did it. You did it. (laughs) Wow. Thank you for bringing them up. Like, my goodness. You, you got to say it. something, don't I? Just you don't You don't have to. Save it for the next episode. Yeah, you know what? Let's just, the epi- you know, what? let's title this. The episode where I don't speak about the Astros. The episode where you didn't do it. Where I don't <laughs> crash on the trash cans. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, everyone. <laughs> See you later. See you next time. <laughs>